Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, do you have a voice to do the show today? I have enough of a voice that we're going to get to talk direct, and then afterwards I, I get to talk about Urban Meyer. I believe that this is a sign that you should do less talking. What do you think? Do you like that? No? I know you like it. Well, that's why we brought Rick Berger in here today. So, Rick, we've got Rick Berger here in studio from the Museum of Sports. My pleasure. Uh, so happy to have you here. Jeff and I went to the press conference that you did a few months ago announcing the location. and uh, it, it was actually uh, Valentine's Day. That's right. Yeah, it it was, was very romantic Day. for Jeff and I to go together. And we, we went down and You know, I'm going to have out. to start talking more if you're going to talk <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was, it was a good day. To, no, but it, it was the, the whole concept to me is... Is exciting as a you skipped over the location. I didn't I mean, get could the to location. It, it, be I didn't any better? get to it yet. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you guys searched around for a lot of places for this, and you happened to find some place in the heart of the sports complex. Can you tell us about that process? Yeah. Well, originally, um, this was the brainchild of uh, Lou Scheinfeld and Ed Snyder, and at the time, um, Xfinity Live didn't exist yet, and uh, part of the plan was to uh, find a way to make space of the big parking lot around uh, around the Wells Fargo Center. And the Spectrum was obviously still there at the time. And uh, Lou uh, approached Ed about a sports museum, and, and Ed loved the idea. Um, and it, it's taken a couple different manifestations over the years. You know, then Xfinity Live was built, and other people got involved. And, um, you know, we, we looked at uh, places in Camden, but I, I always said, you know, a Philadelphia Sports Museum can't be on the Camden waterfront. Um, I was always pushing, pushing the sports complex. And that building, uh, you know, has been there a number of years, the Jetro building, uh, directly across from Lincoln Financial Field. And about a year and a half ago, uh, about 30,000 uh, square feet opened up across from the link and uh we got a 20-year lease so that that's where it's going to be and you guys you know got to see it for yourselves it's, it's a nice piece of property and, and the great thing about it to me is is you can go before or after a game so it, it's a great location especially if you want to teach your kids about the history of sports sure sure but was that part of the decision of why you wanted it down there uh, absolutely i mean um you know just like you guys i've been going to games at the sports complex my entire life and, uh, you know, just to be able to hopefully be working down there in about a year on a daily basis and, uh, you know, being able to have a little area dedicated to the fans where we can all get together and talk about, you know, the history of sports in Philadelphia is, you know, why it's so exciting to me. Um, you know, now with YouTube, you can look at a lot of uh, highlights from your, your youth, but there's so many plays that aren't on YouTube, like... Um, Fourth and one against Emmett Smith. You know what I mean? He just stops him again. Stop him again with, with Merrill. <laughs> like, there's just certain plays that are part of our history that, you know, aren't necessarily big national, you know, shot heard around the world or, or things like that. So um, to be able to have a place where we can, you know, just honor our history, in addition to great memorabilia from Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and uh, Dr. Depachi, who owns the collection that's going to be the backbone of the museum, um, grew up in Central Jersey, so he grew up a Yankees fan. So we have um, a lot of great things from Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, um, Ty Cobb. You saw at the um, press conference, we had a Ty Cobb game-used jersey, mm -hmm. uh, Babe Ruth game-used jersey, uh, Jackie Robinson's contract, just, just one-of-a-kind items. The one thing about Dr. DePacci is he only collects one-of-a-kind items. And it's not just 
Dr. DePachi's collection. I also saw something where you talked about people bringing in their own collections to be on display in a rotation. Talk about that. That's kind of cool to me. Uh, well, since I started, um, <laughs> you know, doing this project, I, I get a ton of emails. You know, my email's public, and, and everybody reaches out, you know, that they have their own personal collection, and would they want would we would they would we want them to loan it to us? So part of uh, what I've discovered over the last year is, you know, we can have a revolving exhibit based upon uh, private collections from the fans. There's a, a friend of the project named Jack who is a huge ho hockey fan, and his you know lifetime project is to get every flyer that ever wore the jersey in, in an official capacity for one game on a puck. So there's about 520 guys that have. At one point or another, even if it was just called up for one game, that goalie who played for one, correct. the local local guy, who correct. Played. There's there's a million of them, and you know some have passed on, some are still alive. But he has 426. So he has 426 pucks um, of all guys that at one point or another was were an official flyer. So I mean that's a collection that's you know probably in his basement that you know he sees and his wife probably wants him to get out of the basement and uh, you know show it to to the city. So there's a lot of really cool one of a kind items that people have that were passed down to them that they would like uh, other people in the city to see. Can you imagine it, you, if you get to there's one other one guy you need to get with the puck and that guy just says I'm holding out. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's got a championship T-shirt collection at home. He just collects championship t-shirts right they that's, do but don't you get like a shirt after every, didn't you say you spent like a ton of money on shirts hats, for teams? More hats, hats championship yeah. hats mm -hmm. he'll turn that over to the museum for you yeah, everybody sure. collects something i, I on the other hand have nothing no? i've got nothing i bring nothing to the table other than i'll talk about it for you <laughs> and programs programs is a big thing like if you can get older pro older programs seem to have a lot of nostalgia Sure, Especially the players. Yeah, I have my old baseball cards. Okay, well, a lot of us have that. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, that, that's a different industry but now. And it is. But it's and amazing because we all thought that baseball, hold You're on to You're going to get rich off your cards. cards. And everybody, but it doesn't work They're that barely way. worth yeah. the paper they run. But that's it's right. not just going to be memorabilia for you. You're going to have some virtual reality, some other opportunities for people. Can you talk about the overall idea of the museum? Because it's not just a come-see Older things that you know your parents might appreciate, but a kid might not. It's going to be lots of things for lots of different people of different ages. Right. Lou always says, um, you know, how long can a kid come in and come in and look at a Babe Ruth jersey? And uh, Lou, uh, for those who don't know him, Lou Scheinfeld has a lot of background in sports, and um, you know, he uh, was president of the Spectrum in the '70s and '80s, so he put on concerts and the circus and all different types of things that came through there. So he knows. In order to keep people entertained, you gotta, he calls it a live wire place. You gotta have things going on all the time. So, there's a couple of virtual reality companies that we've been working with that um, have all types of technology that can literally you know, put you in the huddle with Carson Wentz, uh, where you, uh, you know, put on glasses, you look around, there are Jason Peters. You know, th all this type of technology is out there. What's it like to uh, face a 100 mile an hour fastball in virtual reality? So, you can stand there. And see what it's like to actually, you know, face a, a hundred mile an hour. I, I just want to watch people dive out of the box. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's the, the technology nowadays. It's really amazing, and you know, like I said, you know, it's going to be a high profile project. And as more people find out, more people reach out to me, and, and by the day, you know, I, I find out uh, amazing things, and you know, it, it's we're going to encompass all of it in the museum. The, the thing that I like, and Jeff and I talk about it a lot, um, because we talk more than just balls and strikes. I've heard you say that sports is the great equalizer. 
And a museum like this, it really gives everybody something in common to be together about that, that doesn't necessarily separate us or divides us, but brings us together under something common. Can you talk about how you plan to carry that through with the museum? Yeah, well, um, uh, at our press conference, Governor Rendell, um, and that's where I got the idea for using that phrase, he called it the great financial equalizer, meaning that, you know, people in Philly, you know, the guy shining the shoes and the guy getting the shoes shined may not have much in common, but they definitely both watched the Eagles game the night before, and or you jump in a cab, you know, and you don't really know what to talk about nowadays with Uber. Everybody can talk sports. So it's the one thing, especially in this town, that ties everybody together. And when he mentioned that financial example, I, I mentioned age, and I remember thinking, that's true. You know, when I was five years old, I would sit in, in the kitchen with my grandfather and listen to the flyers on the radio, you know, and you know, we couldn't talk much about, you know, what he was doing and what I was doing, but he could teach me about hockey. And, you know, you can really bond um, with family members through sports. And, uh, you know, look, we live in the best sports town in the country, and uh, people say that, but, I mean, you've seen over the last year how sports and uh, successful sports can really, you know, turn this place into a, a real positive town with a lot of fun and parades. Yeah, so what's the next step? next step. So the next step is, is fundraising. Um, we got our zoning approved, which was a big step. You know, that building there is a warehouse, so we had to get it rezoned for um, what they call, uh, you know, public, um, like a public gathering space. Right. So um, that, that was a big step. We got that in June, and now we're, uh, we're raising funds full time. Uh, we have the event coming up that we'll get to. Uh, and, um, you know, anybody that, that wants to help out, you know, my information is on our website, themuseumofsports.org, and, you know, we're looking for corporate sponsors, we're looking for partners, um, and we're looking for private donations. Um, and, uh, you know, the quicker we get them, the quicker we'll be up and running. And this isn't just the big four sports. This is everything that, that's gone on out there, correct? Correct. So um, part of Dr. DePachi's collection is uh, Olympics. It's boxing. Um, Doc, Doc was uh, very close with Joe Frazier, so he has one of the biggest Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier collections in the world. Uh, at the press conference, he had the trunks and the robes that um, Ali and Frazier wore at the Fight of the Century in 1971 at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, just things that, you know, he has been collecting, and um, I haven't been to his house, but from what Lou told me, he's got a, a sprawling house uh, out in Jersey, and and one of the craziest collections that anybody in the world has. So it's about time that we put it on display and the city got to see it. How <laughs> happy do you think his wife is? That this, <laughs> this it's all going to be out of the house. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, she, she gets some space back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. Lou says, you know, he, he's been to the house and, um, you know, in the laundry room, you got, you know, like a filing cabinet of jerseys of, like I said, Ty Cobb, Jackie Robinson, and then right on the floor you got his socks and his underwear. It's like, <laughs> it's like the whole house is full of, of you know, crazy memorabilia. And um, he had a, uh, a small museum open in Collingswood, New Jersey, um, for the last couple of years. So people got a small taste of his collection if they were able to do that. But, um, you know, he's always wanted to really have, uh, you know, something in Philadelphia. You mentioned Lou, you mentioned Ed Rendell, your, yourself, some others. The, this started, it was some different people, Lou Katz and Ed Snyder, who aren't with us anymore. Can you talk about how you've carried on that legacy and really been able to push this forward? Because I think some people wondered whether it would continue to, to thrive and, and happen, and, and you guys really have picked up the ball and moved it. Yeah, well, I mean, all credit goes to, to Lou Scheinfeld. I mean, he, um, you know, he's made it his mission to, to get this done. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, he presented this to uh, a big group of, of people uh, down at the Wells Fargo Center probably about five or six years ago. Um, and Lou Katz and Ed Snyder were there and uh, Governor Rendell was there and, and it was a great idea and uh, they wanted it done. But, you know, uh, Lou Katz was unfortunately, you know, killed in a plane crash and Ed Snyder passed on not too long after that. And, um, you know, the project lost some of its juice and, you know, you need money to get things like this done. But uh, Lou has kept pushing it. And, you know, I was working doing some political fundraising and I met Lou uh, at a fundraiser and found out about this and um, had a couple lunches with him. And, you know, I decided to come on and help him get this done. You know, Lou, Lou's, you know, 82 years old, so he's got a lot of juice left, but it, it's tough for one person to, to get all this going. So I, I came on full time about 15 months ago and it's been great, you know. Well, the events that you're doing to raise money seem like a lot of fun, too. And kind of go with the theme of, of sports in our city. So what's the next event? So the next event is going to be at South Philly Chickies and Pete's um, this upcoming Tuesday, August 28th. And uh, I wanted to do like a history of Philadelphia or a history of football in Philadelphia. And Lou decided that sounded kind of boring. Um, but it's going to be, uh, a, you know, an event to kick off the Eagle season to celebrate, you know, 2018 and uh, defending the Lombardi so I got uh, some of my childhood favorites in Fred Barnett and Willie T to come out. Uh, Bill Berge's also going to come out. So it, it's going to be a great time. You know, you can get a ticket. They're $75 on the museumofsports.org, and um, that'll include uh, food, beer, and wine, and uh, hanging out with the players. We're going to have a silent auction with some great items, including uh, a full-size Super Bowl helmet signed by Nick Foles. Uh, and there'll be a chance to win two tickets to the home opener uh, 13 days from now when they raise the banner. So, so you're going to have like a virtual reality thing, only the real thing is is Willie T or Bill Berge is going to come and, and just sack you? I volunteer Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. I volunteer him all the time. He volunteers so, me for yeah. everything, yeah. so I had to beat him Maybe. to that, get him back in there. Well, uh, we actually we will have some uh, a virtual reality exhibit there. Um, so it'll I think it'll be um, boxing where you can see what it's like to uh, you know put on gloves and and box against. Uh, it won't be Joe Frazier; it'll be a robot. But they'll get a taste of some <laughs> of the things from the museum. You Bring your mouth guard. Bring you're your also going to be able to you know have special events and charitable events and and people rent out space at the museum. Am I correct? Correct. Um, you know, we Lou always says you know. A couple that grew up in South Philly, what better place to get married than the sports complex if you're a sports fan? So, um, yeah, we want to have Christmas parties, bar mitzvahs, birthday parties. Um, we're going to have uh, a recreational event space, so sort of like at the Art Museum where you can grab a glass of wine and tour art. You know, we'll have some events where you can have an adult beverage and uh, check out some memorabilia. So what, what better way to... Spend a night with your wife. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she's and into that. I, and I know I follow you guys on Twitter and Facebook if you mm -hmm. want to give out that information because you also put out fun sports history facts on this day and, you know, people's birthdays. And so I, as, as a sports fan, I enjoy seeing that stuff, you know, flashback to, you know, when Roy Halliday has perfect game. I think yeah. you put something up. And so, like, that stuff's fun. Where can they find you on social media? If uh, they want? On uh, my Twitter is at Museum Rick, M-U-S-E-U-M-R-I-C-K. And the uh, museum's Twitter is at M-O-S Philly. So, yeah, we're, we're always doing things. We're always updating, you know, taking pictures of behind-the-scenes things that we have uh, as far as meetings for the museum and um, upcoming events. And, yeah, like you said, it's hard to keep fans attention you know you, you want to be up to date with news but you got to put a museum twist on it so this day in history 
has been great. You know, those, I, those things are fun. I enjoy watching it. We uh, we definitely wish you the best of luck with it. I just want to volunteer that in the meantime, I'm willing to take some of the stuff and, and keep it in my Me house. Too. So <laughs> feel free to tell Lou. Jeff, Jeff's you know, generous, if nothing else. That's right. right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be some things that yeah, you won't even believe exist. You know, it's If you need a bobblehead collection, we're set. There you go. Yeah. I mean, things like that. Yeah. I'm always, you know, reminded of um, Antiques Roadshow. You know, that's what uh-huh. I think of. And I'd like to have Saturday afternoons at the museum where we have experts uh, there and, you know, people can bring stuff from their basement. You oh, know, what's this worth? Idea. Is this real? Like like an old-fashioned swap meet. Uh-huh. So well, there's a lot of ideas. Well, we hope yeah. you keep us updated as it moves forward. Maybe we'll, uh, once you open, we'll get down there and do a broadcast from there. For sure. Um, we definitely welcome you back in the future and uh, keep us updated on what's going on. Yeah, I'll see you guys Tuesday at the event. Thank you so much. Right. We will hit the break when we come back. We're going to talk a little Eagles. Jeff's going to talk about Urban Meyer. We've got more. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff, can they build that museum fast enough for us? No. I, I'm ready to but, go down. Until I, I want, you know, a couple of those boxing shorts. That would be awesome. You want a couple of the boxing Absolutely. shorts? Absolutely. Well, well, we'll try and work on that for you. We'll uh-huh. see what we can do. Um, I thought it was very nice of you to offer to hold the memorabilia until they have, you know, Dr. Apache's place I'm, isn't good enough for it. I'm nothing but generous. <laughs> um, you are generous. Yes. And and let's talk about your generosity. Okay, I'm going to ask you. I don't where, know where you're going with Where this. do you want to go first? We can talk know. about the Eagles' third preseason game. Or, you mean the 5 nothing game? Or I can let you go off on Urban Meyer first. What order would you prefer to do this? Well, I might not have the voice afterwards, but... Uh, That's why I didn't know whether we had to do Urban Meyer sooner. You want sooner me to spin the wheel? Yeah, go ahead. Let's do the Eagles first. Okay. It should be real short. Did you watch the game last night? I tried, man. <laughs> I, I, You know my feelings on preseason games, but this is the third preseason game. It's supposed to be the best one. A lot of the starters play. But when the game starts off two to nothing and rolls on to five to nothing, at some point you go, what do we have this for? I Except yeah. injury, and the rest of the game, all you're doing is going. Please, I hope you get our good players out of the game. I saw Jason Kelsey hurt. go off, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> like don't, please don't have that happen." There is no reason to have four preseason games to to pick the last three guys on the roster. Okay, I'm going to preface this by it is only preseason, so I'm trying oh, to decide. Please don't panic about Nick Foles. I'm not panicking about right. Nick Foles. Okay. I'm not really panicking about ever anything, to be honest. Not even Vitae. 
I am concerned about that. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't call it a full blown panic. Yes. There is slight but, he, but just so everybody knows, he is looking <laughs> up to see if the sky is falling. Um the Eagles starting offense hasn't generated one point this preseason. Maybe that's because Nick Foles is on his back a lot. Um Vitae has had a lot of problems. Uh I, I can only hope that Jason Peters stays healthy because I don't know what they I I'm watching this team and I don't know how Vitae held up in the Super Bowl. It'll be okay. But by the way, he didn't hold up that well in the Super no, Bowl. No, they they got beat up. Right. But uh, defense it, didn't it, look bad. It, it, look, it'll be okay. And if you're going to judge anything from yesterday's game, you you shouldn't. You should just wipe this out. I did of your make mind. one judgment. Besides that 5 nothing should never happen in a football game. Matt Jones may know how to run. Yeah. But being a running back involves holding onto the ball too. He cannot, oh, oh he, that can't you need to do that? He, he cannot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I happen to think that the guy on Notre Dame, Adams, looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with their running back rotation. I continue to tell you, Donald Pumphrey has not seen the field. <laughs> um, I, so what makes <clears> you think he's going to make the roster? I don't. Are they saving him as a secret weapon? I don't think. I no, don't think not. they are. I think that he's going to lose out in the numbers battle, and I, I just. Don't, and that was a ton of talk for us well, last year. Look, I'm not, I'm not an "I told you so" guy. Yes, well, you maybe are. <laughs> yes, you are. Don't uh, even lie. <laughs> when we were, I think we were on the air. We were when, uh, when they drafted him, and at that point, I said, "I don't know what they're thinking." In fairness, I got more offended by the short jokes than I did the draft <laughs> picks. So, uh, in fairness to that, any other thoughts watching the game? Um, are you concerned that Jake Elliott still can't hit a field goal under 40 yards? I'm not concerned about <laughs> anything. No. It was a preseason game. Are we not Philly Nobody fans to cares. not like lose our mind over things? No, it just this? means we're rational. It it doesn't mean anything. Okay. Like the only actually the thing that bothered me most about the game was the Browns helmets. They looked like Cherokee and Marlton. <laughs> they looked like a high school football I, I team mean, with their uniforms. It's not bad enough that those uniforms are as bland as possible. They removed the stripe from the helmet, so there's absolutely nothing on it. It just looks like a pumpkin. All right. I've All I've right. let you go on long enough about the Eagles. I've I've had you work yourself up to this now. Is this my anti-Ohio day? I do not want <laughs> you to come at this as a Michigan man going after Ohio State. I because promise I, I think that you're better than that, and you're going to look at this objectively, and I still think that you can hammer Ohio State and Urban Meyer. Yeah. So tell me what happened Tuesday night at 9 o'clock when they decided to do a press conference after 13 hours of a board of trustees meeting. What happened to me? To have Urban Meyer barely apologize, to have them talk about the Buckeye Nation more than the victim that was abused. Well, no, worse than that. When they asked him about the victim, what did he say? He's sorry to everyone. Yeah. He, and, and by the <clears> way, <throat> just so we're clear. And by the way, I do media trainings. Yeah. If you can't prep better than that, yeah. you got issues. But but it's more than that, okay? Because this is not one of those situations. And I'm not saying that anything's any better or worse. What this guy did is horrible. But he knew these people. His wife is friends with this woman. And he couldn't say anything kind about a woman who supposedly was strangled while pregnant while Urban Meyer was the head coach at Florida. And then he brought this guy up to Ohio State and the guy had another problem. But I guess it's okay if you have a memory issue. 
Well, that was the thing. They said that he takes medicine and can't remember things. They also that you shouldn't be in charge of anything. Have, they went back to his remarks earlier this season at a Big Ten media day where he clearly lied. I would say that it was a lie. Yeah. Um, they said um, while those deniers denials were plainly not accurate, Coach Meyer did not, in our view, deliberately lie. You you. So, okay, plainly not accurate. Yeah. So it was an accidental non-accuracy. I have no idea. Not I, I deliber- don't like. Look, if you if you want to be blatant about it and just say Urban Meyer is is, you know, heaven and earth to Ohio State, and we're just going to let him get away with it, then just say it. Don't come out with a report saying that Urban Meyer has memory problems, and so it's okay. Because guess what? They just gave him carte blanche to do it every single time. And by the way. We just spent a lot of time last week with a very admirable coach in my mind, with Jeff Collins, and, and the same thing with Dave Patnow. As and, and what did they preach? What did they tell us on and off the air? Accountability. What, accountability. Yep. That's the word. Urban Meyer has just – he is leading young men, and he has said that he doesn't care and that those young men don't have to be accountable because don't worry, we'll come up with excuses as long as we keep winning. He had 22 days to come up with a good answer to the question everybody knew he would get. How about how about honesty? How about not having to come up with a good answer? How about being a good person? How about not... I mean, look, when he left Florida, he left Florida in shambles. Let's not forget Aaron Hernandez was not a saint down there, right? So he, he had all that problem down there. He left that place, and why did he leave? Because doctors said that he couldn't handle the stress. A year later, he ends up in another problem. I guess the stress is there is no stress at Ohio State. And now he's got problems here. And and from what I heard yesterday, the thing that he was most upset that Zach Smith did was go spend $600 or so at a strip club. That he told him not to do again. Then he'd be fired. Yeah. But 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 the choking and, and, and the abuse, a supposed abuse of, of a spouse, that he didn't say if he'd do it again? What What is going on? And by the way, Zach Smith did more than that. He apparently like tweeted a picture of of his private parts in the White House. What what is wrong with this guy? I, it seems like more than one thing. He's actually still publicly coming back on Twitter about this, saying like everybody will get their day, and and he's been wronged. My Ooh, thing, Zach Smith. Zach Smith. My oh. thing is okay. There's so many different issues here. There's the issue of obviously the coaches, but. Yeah. How did he only get a three-game suspension? Todd Gurley got suspended four games for signing autographs for money. Right. Terrell Pryor got six games for How getting I, tattoos. What did Johnny Manziel get for the autographs? A couple. I'll have to look it up. Okay. But how do you get a coach to clearly, I mean, they have in the report that he changed his settings on his phone to delete text messages older than a year. So therefore... There were no text messages within a year that were turned in. I mean, what what am I missing here? Nothing. You, you, ha- you have a soul, which apparently the people that were on the committee at Ohio State didn't have. Well, this was a search for a justification to maintain a football program, not Absolutely. to do a clear investigation. Yeah. And by the way, he was there when they <clears> first met. They should have met without him. I don't know if he was in the building because they were t- people were tweeting that his car was outside. How do you react as an attorney to this? Do you, do you get extra aggravated by 
these types of situations when you when there were clearly professionals along the way who could and should have done something had the opportunity and did not they allowed it to continue uh, as a, as an attorney I, I mean look the, or is it just as a person it, it, yeah well that's it i think that i think this is a moral issue and it's an accountability issue and i i don't understand how in this day and age of all times with everything that's been going on the last couple of years with everything that penn state went through with joe paterno why why is it that urban meyer gets the the pass for looking the other way how does this happen ohio state's got other issues right now that they're dealing with too with regard to that doctor that was in their program so why are they not being sensitive to this and by the way this is a state institution why is the state not stepping in why was this committee with a with a few trustees on it why was that the one that made the decision this should be something that should be investigated by the state of Ohio because this is probably the most influential state employee. Would you agree? He's probably the highest paid. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely the highest paid. But he's probably even more influential than Governor Kasich. That it, and, and to allow him to get away with this is wrong. And if I were a parent, there is no way that I would send my child to that campus because if God forbid something happens and, and, and that child is accosted by somebody that's on the football program or stuff, I have no confidence that they are going to protect my child ahead of the program. What does this send a message to other programs that you can allow these things to occur on your staff, under your watch, claim ignorance, and get a slap on the wrist? Well, I think at most programs it's not going to happen. I think probably the only people who could get away with this, and I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions at Alabama, but there's only like two coaches, maybe three, who you look at and, and say they are the university. Um, so I don't think most people – look, Durbin's not, uh, Durkin's not getting away with it. Any similarities between Maryland and Ohio State here? No. Obviously, they're different situations. They were handled differently, though. They're being handled differently. The, yeah, the reaction mean, yeah. has been handled differently in terms of change. Now, cl- so clearly, there's a different level of, of situation, um, but they're both very serious. And I just don't see college football really doing anything or these these universities doing anything to dissuade it from happening other than hoping that public peer pressure stops it. What, why did the NCAA investigate Penn State? But the NCA is not investigating Ohio State. I don't know. Somebody tell me. I don't know what the NCA does. I never find consistency. Oh, either do I. But why? Why are they not stepping in right now? So is your thing that they should step in, or that they shouldn't have stepped in at Penn State either? Do they have purview, or do they not? I think they do. Like you're looking for consistency, one way or another. Either they're going to do it or they're not. In in your mind, should this be something that's handled on an institution by institutional basis? The states get involved, like clearly the state of Pennsylvania got involved with Penn State and dealt with that as well. Or should the NCAA come down into it? Oh, I think the I think the state should take over an investigation. There was a there were crimes that were apparently committed with Smith. The issue is is the people that employ them. What are they going to do? I just so why would you keep somebody like that on staff? Just give me the reason. I just found it disturbing. Um, that the talk immediately went to what's the impact on the season going to be for Ohio State? 
Nothing. Like, it was all about, Nothing. oh, will they lose to Rutgers in week two now? And I wanted to be like, did you get the score alerts on your phone last year? Like, I did. No, they won't lose to Rutgers in week two. <laughs> but why is that even relevant? The it question is, should he be the coach should, he or should, should not, he not be the coach? And the answer is he should not be the coach. And clearly Ohio State decided that they would use other terms in order to make those decisions. Right. Why don't we, since we're at the, the top of the hour, 430, why don't we move over to some Phillies talk and kick off our Phillies High Hopes minor league rundown? Sounds good to me. So the Phillies are going to make me either lose my hair or it's just all going to be gray. Uh, because Take off the hat, I'll check. It's getting there. Yeah, it's getting okay. there. I mean, I have it, but it, I haven't uh, lost it yet. But it's yeah, definitely. It's great. Um, what is going on with this team, Jeff? It's I mean, you and I text constantly, yeah. um, complaining, celebrating, it's, it's, bemoaning what's going on. Look, it, it's frustrating because they don't. This is this was my issue at the beginning of the season with this whole. The baseball and a lot of sports are going to interchangeability of positions. And when you do that, you lose consistency. You certainly lose it in defense. And by moving parts around, which at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of that going on. Because he's trying, to be fair, he's trying to get everybody in. But this is not Little League. The people you put in are the, either the hot hands or the guys Well, they that played at the Little League park last week. They did, and that was really cool. Except for how they played in that park. <laughs> yes. That was, the, that was the sloppiest game. And that's okay. So I can get like trying hard and losing. Yeah. It's the mental mistakes and the errors that drive me insane. If I have to watch a Dubal Herrera <laughs> have a brain fart in center field again and have the ball fly over his head or overrun a base. I mean, I texted you about that the other day. How did he almost get thrown out rounding something that he had no business doing? It is it is the most frustrating thing that a coach can go through from the time they're five to the time that they're professionals. But at the time they're professionals, there is no excuse for mental errors. Physical errors happen. Anybody that boos someone that tries their hardest and makes a physical error, you're crazy. They're trying their hardest. There's nothing you can do about it. Their talent is their talent. But when you don't... Ha- you ha- you're getting paid millions of dollars, okay? But let's take that out of it. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. You have nothing else to pay attention to for three hours. As they say, you have one job. <laughs> right. So how hard is it to know what base you're going to throw to when you've done it thousands of times during your entire life? How hard is it to realize that when you run down to first base, don't turn left, okay? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That, uh, <laughs> as somebody who has coached Little League, they the first thing you teach a kid after they finally hit the ball is when they get to first base, keep running down the white line and don't turn left because they can tag turn you out. Left. That's what Odobel <laughs> did. Uh, no, if you're the center fielder, you should be able to call other people off the ball. He doesn't. Odobel doesn't do these things, and and it sets a tone when when this kind of stuff happens. And by the way, it's the same. if you listen to the games, Ben Davis, I think, it does a great job good. of analyzing, especially catchers. Catchers. And it's he m- kills these catchers. I know. It's <laughs> ma- but it's making it more frustrating to watch because I'm watching Alfaro, and every time there's a ball in the dirt, he puts the one knee down, keeps one up, and the ball bounces off to the chest to the side instead of dying in front of him because he won't get down on He'll two block knees. block it, yeah. And I- I'm going – why Ben Davis is right there calling it out. Right. Put your butt on the ground. <laughs> and, and he's and it just bat like Wilson Ramos got his hand hurt 
because the ball hit it. The catcher should have his hand behind his back and have the glove hand. He's an all-star, too. I know. And it's those kind it's fundamentals. And it's not just the Phillies, by the way. Fundamentals have completely gone out the window because it doesn't have anything to do with analytics. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. There you go. (laughs) There's Jeff. (laughs) It's got to be fundamentals that that are going to win you games because you can't keep playing two-to-one games and hope that that works. Aaron Nola can't pitch every day. I wish he could. He is that that duel with Scherzer was fun to watch. And then five days before, he did the same thing with Syndergaard. He's, he, I mean, he's on. He is. He's having one of the greatest Philly seasons of all time, pitching, greatest. And you've watched him come through the system. Did you expect that from him? Everybody no. thought he was like a mid rotation guy. Well, he also he didn't, didn't really have, have the stuff. He, he didn't, didn't really pitch. He threw. Now he he's a pitcher. I went to his first game in Reading. And he was topping out, I think, at 91. Okay. He, he was not. What's he got up there now? Like 95? 95, 95, 96. Yeah. I mean, he, he can get it up there. And he says that it's he changed his mechanics when he got hurt. And it, it clearly shows. And on top of everything else, he's a smart pitcher. I mean, he can hit his spots, but he knows with each batter where those spots are. And it he really is an artist. It's like he's not he's not Greg Maddox yet. But he, that's what I saw when I watched Greg Maddox. Your thoughts on where this team stands right now? Um, Besides three games they are three games yeah. back. They have not played good baseball, particularly nope. against some of the worst teams. I mean, literally, Washington started a fire sale the day the Phillies showed up, and all of a sudden, Washington started slamming the ball. Daniel game. Murphy. They got rid of Daniel Murphy. Well, he's having his own issues in Chicago. <laughs> um. Speaking of Cole, yeah. Mer- Cole Hamels in Chicago, my goodness, doing well, huh? <laughs> he's, he's got like a point seven one ERA. Rumor has it, if you figure out the schedule for next Sunday, he should be pitching here. That would be fun mm-hmm. to have him back pitching, not dominating. How about how Belisa. about Hamels versus Noma? That would be awesome. You'd go to that. Oh, I'd be in heaven. Yeah, you. Yeah, would, I like a good pitching match. You would totally that go would to be that awesome. game, even though we'll be at Lakewood on Saturday. And so you're heading out to Lehigh Valley this weekend. We were going to go out last weekend, mm-hmm. and they got rained out Friday night, had a doubleheader Saturday. So you're going to go out tomorrow. Your boy's going to hold out? We'll see. We're going to have, like, raspy dog interviews for a couple That's of right. days. That's right, yeah. That'll be good. But Do I sound a little bit more like Coach Collins? I get, get a little bit deeper? You're, you're getting a little rasp okay. there. You're not motivating me nearly like he does. Thanks. Got to be honest. It's, it's just, a little hard. I don't know many people that can motivate like him. That was a fun a fun show last week yeah. to do. Um, we definitely enjoyed that. But this week we, we got some some real fun interviews too. We we were able to we've got with us uh, Mickey Moniak, Sean Williams, the the manager, and David Parkinson. David Parkinson together together. So it's a it's a great opportunity to to hear from what's going on in Clearwater with the Threshers. So we got a conversation with them coming on right now. We are here with Clearwater Threshers manager Sean Williams, pitcher David Parkinson, and Mickey Moniak, outfielder. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. We cannot complain. Thank you so much for joining us. Jeff, why don't you take it away at the start here? Well, before we get into anything about the team, I think we should talk about what your name is today. Uh, rumor has it that the Clearwater Threshers have decided to abandon sharks and go for uh, puppy dogs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we're the uh, Clearwater Beach Dogs tonight. So how are you enjoying those jerseys today? A little bit different for you. 
They're loud. They're definitely bright, bright colors. They're, yeah, they're, they're eye they're bright and exciting. We'll have to share it out on our Facebook page for people after this. So you guys have been hot lately. You're playing well in the second half. Mickey, you in particular, something's really turned on and clicked. I, I had read a lot about you because Jeff and I follow a lot and, and have a bunch of Twitter debates with people um, about you know some different players. And we saw you talk about you know it was it was new for you to learn some of the ups and downs with the success you've had coming in, and, and you've really been on fire here in the second half. What's clicked, and what have you been able to learn through this process with, with manager there? I think just for me, um, after last year starting off hot and just you know kind of going downhill towards the, the latter half of the season, it kind of just gave me reassurance that this year, no matter how I started, uh, it was a long year, and just um, if I could just get better every day and, and um, you know work on things that need to be worked on, that it'd be a long enough season to where you know one day something clicks and kind of just roll with it and. I mean, it's just been fun playing here for Sean. Just, you know, we go out, we have fun, and, you know, every day it's, uh, it's uh, something. It's, we look forward to coming to the ballpark every day and just, you know, getting our work in and, um, you know, going out there at, you know, whatever it may be, 7 o'clock, and just, you know, looking to win a ball game and, you know, first and foremost, have fun doing it. It's a long slog to go through 140 games a season. Sean, how do you get uh, players ready who, some of which are coming from high school, some of which are coming from college and aren't used to that kind of a, a grind of a season. How do you get them ready and keep them from going too low for the lows and too high for the highs? Um, for me, there's really no way of actually, I mean, getting them ready. I mean, you try to by getting them, you know, with a routine um, every day, but the best way to learn is to go through it. And, um, you know, us as a staff, we've gone through it as players, so um, we can give them, you know, our insight of what we did and things like that but the best way to learn is to, to go through it yourself and it is a long year um you can't get too high can't get too low um and we got a couple guys here um, that are uh, very good at doing that they stay pretty even keel which is uh, the right mindset to be um to, to be successful in this game and david we saw you speaking about the length of the season when we were starting our tours at the beginning of the season we we're out in lakewood um you were dominant there frankly with a 1.51 era and eight and one hasn't really cooled off with two wins and a 1.17 era jeff likes to tweet that lakewood are the ace claws um he just really enjoys the pitching arms down there can you talk about what it was like to pitch with the guys on that staff and how you've been able to continue that success as you've moved up to this level uh, i mean it was a lot of fun uh, i think more than anything it was just uh, it was really competitive um, i think that's one thing that uh, I guess we would pride ourselves in there was just, uh, I mean, wanting everybody else to do well, but at the same time trying to be better than them because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all really competitive. That's why we're here. Um, but I, I, carrying it over, it's kind of been the same thing. I mean, the arms up here are incredible, too. Uh, a lot of, lot of big-name guys and a lot of good arms from what I've seen, so just trying to keep up with the, uh, the level and keep doing me. Sean, do you keep track of, of the guys at the lower levels and kind of lick your chops at seeing what's going on with the Lakewood staff? Uh, for sure. We definitely keep track of uh, everybody throughout the organization. And, um, I mean, they're, like you guys said, they've had an outstanding season as a team. Their pitching staff, um, even with, you know, Parkinson coming up and Rosso coming up, um, Doey, all the guys that have come up that have done a great job. And then they even get – um, you know, guys that are coming up from the lower levels that have helped them out. And um, like uh, David said, it's all about competition, and um, that's what creates the best in every player, and that's what's happening uh, throughout our organization right now. And then, Sean, it must also be fun for you to follow them afterwards. You've, you've worked with guys like Cole Irvin, who's 
getting close. Sir Anthony Dominguez out there. We talked to Jeff Singer when we were in Reading. What's it like? Are you kind of like a proud papa when you see the guys that have come through working with you to realize success at the higher levels? Uh, definitely. Um, I mean, it's it's fun following all of them. And like you said, from Sir Anthony, guys are in the big leagues, even guys that uh, have been Rule 5 or that are with other organizations, you always follow everybody um, just to see how they're doing and, um, you know, continue pulling for them. But it's great seeing, you know, the success those guys are having and, and everybody throughout the organization. Mickey, we, we've read, read about the fact that you have a few tattoos that have significance for you as well as something that you put on the end of your bat. Uh, family seems to be an important part of your life. Can you talk a little bit about that and how baseball fits into that? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, I grew up in, a, you could say, a baseball family. My grandpa played for the Red Sox. My dad played at, at San Diego State. And, you know, it seemed like all my cousins and, you know, brothers and sisters, they're all into baseball. And, you know, every day, every family get-together was, you know, a pickle game, wiffle ball, baseball in the pool. You just, it was all it was all revolving around baseball. And, um, you know, we grew up, everyone, you know, for the most part, my whole family lives in, in Southern California. So, in um, San Diego to be exact. So, I mean, growing up, we were always close. We'd always hang out with each other. And, um, you know, family for me, it's been huge just throughout this whole process of just learning and, um, you know, getting better as, as a baseball player, but as, as well as a human being, just, you know, going through the grind and, you know, just having, having family there, you know, behind me and, um, you know, just someone to call after maybe a, a bad game, a good game or anything in between. Just it's, uh, it's been huge for me. Speaking of family, we, we were doing a little research and saw a little six degrees of separation between you, Mickey, and Sean. That apparently, I don't know if you guys know this, Mickey, do you know that, that your grandfather uh, learned a little bit from Ted Williams? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. That, uh, he, he tells me that, you know, every, every chance he gets. And, you know, <laughs> it's a, it is a very small world. Hey, Sean, you first, but for all of you as well, we like to talk a lot about a little more than just balls and strikes. And, and you guys are really involved in the community there. Sean, you're a local guy. You, you played at Clearwater Catholic. Uh, Clearwater's had the Phillies since 1947, and, and you guys have that community involvement with your step up to community service. Can you talk about what the Clearwater Phillies mean to the area and what it means for you with the community involvement? And then for the guys, what it's like for you to get to give back to the community and be around those people who idolize you so much? Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing because I know, uh, like you said, I grew up in this area. And when I was a kid, I always went to all the Clearwater Phillies games at, at that time at Jack Russell Stadium, um, which was huge for me. So uh, to be back in this league, playing in this league, um, now managing and uh, getting to see all the kids that come out to the games and um, things like that, it's great because that's where I was, you know, uh, when I was a kid. Um, but with that and with the step-up program and what our team does and in the community with, um, you know, going to hospitals to doing camps to, I mean, they're doing everything. And it's, it's great for them um, going to school, seeing the kids. And, I mean, I can imagine, you know, growing up in this area and, and having players come to your elementary school would be pretty cool. Um, and to see these guys and what they're doing. And, and it's everybody throughout the team, which is it's a great thing that the Phillies do. Um, the Threshers here, um, the whole organization does it. Um, and it's, it's very important, um, you know, for these players and uh, even more important for the community to see these guys and, and how great of, uh, of uh, people that we have throughout our organization uh, with the players. And David, Mickey, what's the experience like for you guys being out there in the community? It's been sweet, you know. Um, you know, we, being uh, this being the, the uh, spring training home is, 
you know, we spend a lot of time here. You know, every year we're coming back here, whether we're playing, you know, with the Threshers or, you know, any other level. So, um, you know, just spending a lot of time in this community uh, this season has been has been fun. And, you know, obviously uh, we just try to give back as much as we can. And just knowing that we're going to be coming back here, you know, every spring, it's, it's definitely something that uh, we look forward to and we enjoy doing. So uh, go ahead, David. I was just going to say, for me, I haven't been here that long, so I haven't really had an opportunity to, but I, uh, on like social media and things like that, it's definitely cool to see a bunch of uh, the events that they put on. It's pretty cool. Hey, Sean, can you talk briefly? You've been, you know, you were a player coach. You, I found it fascinating that they asked you to coach while you were in spring training. I enjoyed researching you a little bit. But, I mean, you've, you've managed at Williamsport, Clearwater, Lakewood. What's it like for these guys as they move up levels and, and really learn to be professionals? And, and how do you help them along the way there? Um, I mean, I think the, the toughest thing is I think a lot of guys, once they move up, um, you know, I think they think it's a huge jump, which at times, I mean, I wouldn't say huge, but it's a little bit of a jump. But as long as they continue what they're doing, um, just like Parkinson's doing right now, that he's continuing what he did in, in Lakewood, that, you know, you're still going to have your success. So it's the biggest thing is to, to be yourself, pitch your game, position players, have your at-bats. Um, but that's the biggest thing to learn is that it's still a game, just like when you were a kid. Um, try not to make it as hard as, um, you know, it's harder than, than it really is because, I mean, obviously it is a very hard game, but um, there's so much other stuff that uh, gets involved that as long as you go out there, play, have fun, and uh, let your uh, your tools and everything uh, take care of themselves. But um, just to enjoy the enjoy the, enjoy the the ride, you know, like cause it's, it's the fun part of the game of going level to level and um, getting to play at the great parks that we have, and there's uh, um, some great stadiums and, and good teams, and, and it's, it's just to enjoy the, the journey of, of uh, climbing the ladder. Well, part of that ride looks like it might, I don't want to jinx anything, looks like you're four games up over Lakeland uh, with just a few weeks to go. What's it like, and, and what does it mean towards the development of all of you to make, make the playoffs and play those additional rounds and kind of get that experience? Uh, well, we play, I mean, the main reason why we play is we play to win. And, um, you know, these guys are doing a great job, and it's uh, obviously a lot more fun when you're winning. But this is important for their development and everybody's development because uh, when you're playing games that matter, you get to see the most out of every player, and uh, especially late in the year um, with the last couple weeks, and, and you get to see uh, the best in everybody. So it's good for all the players. You know, they get to finish strong, um, and it's a, it's a lot of fun because every game there's uh, something riding on it. and. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun for everybody. Well, we, we wish you guys the best of luck coming down the home stretch. We can't wait to continue following you as uh, you continue to move through the system, and thanks so much for oh, joining nice. us this week. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Have a great one, guys. Thank you. Jeff, I love talking to players and coaches. It was great that we got them in. We, uh, you know, it, and it was a good day because they're doing the beach dogs thing, which is uh, I, I like that when they do this – you know, change it for a day kind of thing. You should have been a marketer. You shouldn't have gone to legal. I, I really like that stuff. Yeah, you shouldn't have been a lawyer. You should have yeah. gone into marketing. I, he, I'd, I'd be out of money. Brett disagrees. He, do, he doesn't think that you'd be good you're at marketing. You're a cool lawyer, so no. <laughs> he There says, you go. He says you're Look a cool at that, lawyer. an advertisement. Seriously, we should clip that, and you can put that out there for yourself, Jeff. I will. There you go. Uh, nothing says endorsement like Brett saying you're a cool lawyer. That's right. That's like saying asking Clark, Carson Wentz, I can't even talk right now, to not be a quarterback. All right, there we go. We're... That made sense. I am the Carson Wentz of lawyers. Yeah. Is, is what I'm gathering from You that. saying, hey, you should be uh, running back instead or wide receiver. It's just, 
I got a bum. I got a. You're better as a quarterback. I got a bum knee too. Jeff's losing his voice, but you're yeah. making it up, giving him a big head. Yeah, I got so a big that's smile enough on my compliments face. for Jeff. Go. This show, um, this year, <laughs> this year, <laughs> <laughs> next year, <laughs> ever. Right. Um, all right, so let's talk. We're coming down the the home stretch uh, in the season. Some of the teams are in Two playoff weeks. pushes. Yep, we'll have end of season awards. So let's do a quick rundown of. Let's do play uh, awards before we do where the teams are. Yeah. So. Paul Owens award for the minor league hitter in the system. That's a tough one. I give you Joey Manessas at AAA, right. Zach Green in both double and AAA, Jose Pujols, yeah. A-plus and double, Austin Listy, Adam Hazley, or Derek Hall. The amazing thing is most of those guys are on the same team. Yeah. And that's the one team that's not going to make the playoffs. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the amazing that's thing. I mean, Redding is just taking the cover and off they, the ball. And they have some good pitching down there, too, because they have – Connor Siebold. They had JoJo Romero, who's been on the disabled list. That was the tough one. Jo- Jeff Singer been Jeff pitching Singer. well since we talked to yep. him. Uh huh. Well, he's now a Triple A. It's so. the Jeff Cohen sign of luck. That's. We have been. I will say, we have been good luck for most of the players that we have interviewed. Well, they didn't they have, have much choice. So why? Well, because why? You know. Well, they could have sucked afterwards. They don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Maybe we just sucked afterwards. I, I, I guess I, I, of all those people, I'd have to say Joey Manessis. Now I don't consider. And him, you're hoping to talk to him little, this weekend because yeah. that's who I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be able to be there with you. I'm gonna miss that because mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to him. He has had. He wasn't somebody the Phillies drafted. He no, came he came the out of the Atlanta system, yeah. and and he did three months before the season. He had no idea what he was going to be doing with himself, and now he's got the chance to win a triple crown. That, that he, what he has done, and he's done it at the highest level of minor leagues, is impressive. It's, it really is. It's been, and, and I think he just gets lost in the shuffle because he he plays first base. It's tough for him because there are a bunch of first basemen at the lower levels right be, right behind him. And you have Carlos Santana, and now you have Justin Bohr, and you always have Reese Hoskins. So you kind of feel bad for the guy because there's I don't think there's really any place for him to go in this organization unless they move him to the outfield. It would be interesting to see what they do after the season yeah, in terms of moving some of the, the pieces but around he, he the has had a real. I mean, I think the last Triple Crown was several decades ago. You can't talk uh, arms without talking Lakewood uh, yep. with, with what they've done. Top arms in the system right now for yourself. Well, Sixto is obviously the top arm in the system, mm-hmm. but he hasn't played most of the season. Okay, JoJo's um, been out a little bit. JoJo is probably he's one of their top five prospects now. But you've got Will Stewart. You've got I mean, well, Will Stewart's he's he's had a great season at Lakewood. He has not they for some reason they haven't moved him up to Clearwater. But they did move Parkinson up. Parkinson. They moved Rosso up. And Parkinson's continued to pitch very well. Yeah, he hasn't skipped a beat. No, not at all. I mean, one. he's gotten better. And by the way, the the guys that replaced Parkinson and Rosso have, have not skipped a beat either. No. they So s- they put Armas in there, and he's doing just as well. They put Andrew Brown in there, and he's doing just as well. So when we go to, when we go to Lakewood, I, one of the people that I'm most excited to talk Pitching to— Pitching coach. Yeah, because I want to know what it's like for that guy. Either, either he's a genius— or he's been blessed with like the greatest <laughs> arm to come through, or most likely it's a combination of both. But if I were him, I'd be in heaven right now. So is that how you're going to start the questioning? Are you a genius? <laughs> or, yes. Or are you just really lucky? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, a coach is going to say, well, you know, I'm blessed with all these great players. That's how you're going to start the interview. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, Lehigh Valley. We're going to ask him if he can touch my arm and just bless it. We're, we'll be out at Lakewood next week, <laughs> next Saturday. Yes. Uh, you'll be out at Lehigh Valley this week. They are closing in on clinching the division. They will clinch this weekend. <clears throat> That's my prediction. 
What do you expect to see out there tomorrow? And um, how are they looking going into the playoffs? Surprise, surprise. I'm going to get to see uh, Jared Eikhoff. That's right. He's on a rehab star, yep. right? So. And I've enjoyed, for those who haven't been following, uh, Jeff has literally been tweeting at Cole Irvin, encouraging him not to start tomorrow <laughs> so that he's available for Jeff to do an interview. Be, because that's how the Phillies schedule their starts, because we haven't gotten him yet. We to, tried. To, to be fair, Cole has been tweeting back, too, because <laughs> we were supposed to go up there last weekend, and we're sitting there watching the, the weather, and the reason we're watching the other. Cole is a very interesting guy, besides the fact that he's moved through the system with great success. He's a gamer. I, yes. He, well, when you say gamer, no, no, you don't he's mean a video a, gamer, yeah, along so, with being a baseball so, gamer. So this guy ap- appears to be not just like a baseball, like he's preparing for life after baseball while he's playing baseball. He's got this gaming thing that he's doing, he has his own company selling fishing stuff too. So he actually has a website that. He seems to be like a master of a lot of different things, and he's a very looks like a very entertaining guy. You should tweet him the end of this show as an advertisement for him. He'll appreciate that before well, you get up there. Well, well, what I'm afraid of is 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 that I'll get up there and he'll like just as a joke. Up, yeah, yes. <laughs> he won't no. give you any answers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can practice. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll do an interview like that. Um, Reading. We've had a couple. Of they're those. still taking <laughs> the cover off the ball, but it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. No, they're not. They're not going to make the. Playoffs. But Lakewood and Clearwood, Clearwater. Clearwater is four games up. With uh, two weeks to play, so it looks like they're going to make it now. Because you only the the two A levels, you win a half a season to make it, and the two teams from each half play each other. So Lakewood is going to win both halves, by the way. Which then the question is, well, do they just play themselves in a split squad game? No, the second best team gets to make the playoffs. We got about a minute left in the show. Who comes up when the rosters expand next week? Virtually no one. My guess is the only person that comes up is Andrew Knapp and possibly a relief pitcher. You don't think that they bring some arms up for the bullpen? Have a few. I mean, they've had some injuries there. They, they've had some guys go on the DL. They, you don't think that they try and expand that a little bit? Maybe or? one or two. I mean, they might bring up a couple relievers, but I don't, I don't think they're going to, especially if Lehigh Valley's in the playoffs. I don't think they would impact the major league roster enough to upset the apple cart. Uh, but I do think it's good to have a third catcher. Um, any other thoughts about the system before we we hop off for the week? It's it's going gangbusters. If if just the big club can get back in it, I did want to mention Lehigh Valley last week raised more than fourteen thousand dollars for the local nonprofits for their strikeout cancer night event. Again, great to see what these teams do in the community and, to really get. And back. Lakewood did another vets night out. Got gotta love that they're yeah. doing those things. We really appreciate all the things the teams are doing, the access they've given us with some of these interviews. So uh, we'll keep it up. And uh, Jeff, you have a good time at Lehigh Valley tomorrow. And we'll be back next week. So do. thank you everybody for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and you talk to next week. Bye bye.